Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, my name is Robert Lamb, and this is The Monster Fact, a short-form series from Stuff to Blow Your Mind focusing in on mythical creatures, ideas, and monsters in time. On this special Omnibus episode, we'll be sharing the three previous Monster Fact episodes dealing with the great Xenos threat to the Imperium of Man, the Tyranids. Now, I want to stress that since these were originally published, Games Workshop has put out a new edition of Warhammer 40,000 and some new lore regarding the Tyrannic Wars. The new material is not reflected in what's to follow, but I believe most of what is discussed here still holds true. So please enjoy especially if you're currently painting up your new Leviathan miniatures or simply awaiting the release of the new video game, Space Marine 2. Up first, let's cover Tyranid basics. In the fictional world of Warhammer 40,000, the entirety of the Milky Way galaxy is consumed by warfare, destruction, and decline. Everywhere you look, Militant, spacefaring civilizations wage crusades of brutal expansion while fighting off doom and corruption from without and within. With war raging on every front, one final threat presents itself. An invasion from beyond the galaxy itself, the Tyranid Hive Fleets. As related in Games Workshop's ninth edition of the Tyranids Codex, the Tyranids are an entirely biological threat. They take many physical forms, ranging from foot soldiers and walking tanks to enormous hive ships and bio-titans, all of it under the sway of the unified hive mind. Their weapons, too, are biological. 
They cleave into their enemies with scythes and bone swords, and their ranged weapons blast a vast array of squirming, writhing, and piercing bio-munitions in addition to venom and bioplasma. High fleet after high fleet enters into the galaxy, we're told, conquering planets and harvesting the entirety of each planet's biomass, which is then incorporated into the next generation of Tyranid hordes. They advance continuously like a viral infection of the Milky Way itself. In the 41st millennium, a time of interplanetary fascist empires, chaos gods, and robotic resurgencies, the Tyranids seem to pose the greatest and most monstrous threat of all. But why is this? Author Ben Woodard explored the question in his 2012 biological philosophy book, Slime Dynamics, Generation, Mutation, and the Creep of Life. The answer, he explains, may be found in the entirely biological nature of the Tyranids. Woodard argues that unlike with human beings of our world and most of the civilizations of the 40K universe, the Tyranids have no separation between technology and the body. He writes, quote, The horrible extended internalness of the Tyranid, that is the revolting extension of the biological to the level of what is commonly thought of as removed from us, technology, war machines, etc., becomes only a natural extension, unquote. So while the robotic necrons of 40K have lost all organic being, all organic drive and organic origin to technology, the Tyranids are the reverse. The Tyranids are the advancement of the biological beyond all perceived limits. While the factions of the Milky Way are driven by nationalistic, xenophobic, religious, and expansionist ideologies, the Tyranids seem driven by sheer biological hunger, divorced from any semblance of rational intent. They lack all individuality, save the unfathomable individuality of the extragalactic or perhaps transgalactic hive mind itself that commands its every movement. It is pure organic impulse, unchecked by individual free will, culture, or traditional technology. And for the strife-ridden denizens of 40K's Milky Way galaxy, the Tyranids are something else entirely alien. They are absolute unity. Their home universe is conceivably a realm of absolute peace and order, albeit an entirely inhuman one. Next, let's take a deeper look at the Tyrannic Wars themselves. Last week on The Monster Fact, I discussed the Tyranids of the fictional Warhammer 40k universe, an extragalactic invasion fleet of biological horror and hunger that seems posed to consume all the biomass in the Milky Way galaxy. Indeed, this might well be the ultimate doom awaiting the various civilizations in 40k, but that doesn't mean they're going to go down without a fight. Heck, as Games Workshop is quick to remind us, quote, in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war. The Imperium of Man is especially well-suited for such a conflict. This interstellar human empire covers a great deal of territory in the Milky Way and commands vast legions of military might. 
the Imperial Guard, a powerful Imperial Navy of starships, the almighty Space Marines, and various other militant orders and planetary defense forces. By the time of the 40k game setting, the Imperium has fended off two separate high fleet incursions and are struggling with a third. The Imperium's tactics are worth discussing here, especially as they reference real-world military tactics and scenarios. Both examples I'm going to discuss here involve, according to the 40k lore in Games Workshop's 9th edition Tyranid's Codex, the machinations of Imperial Inquisitor Fidus Cryptman during the Third Tyrannic War against High Fleet Leviathan. The authors of the Codex tell us that Cryptman, understanding the needs and aims of the Tyranids, devised a horrific means of slowing them down and weakening their invasion fleet. Since the Tyranids required living worlds to harvest in their path of conquest, Cryptman ordered the eradication of life on multiple occupied planets in the enemy fleet's path. If the Imperium was able to keep these planets devoid of biomass, Cryptman realized, the enemy would have nothing to grow on and no fresh biomass out of which to rebuild its forces. But of course, this strategy doomed trillions of innocent people on those unlucky worlds. It was apparently even too harsh for the Imperium, resulting in Cryptman's excommunication. The Tyranids, again, are entirely organic, and while they seem to boast amazing hibernation abilities, their voyages across the intergalactic void must leave them in a hungry state upon arrival in the Milky Way. Even if, according to the lore, they benefit from some manner of space-folding travel during intergalactic travel, they're still traveling, at the very least, tens of thousands of light years to get here, and then tens of thousands more within the galaxy proper without the aid of space-folding or faster-than-light travel. One is reminded of real-world accounts of invading Western ships during the Age of Sails. Upon arrival in new lands and the new world, nourishment might not be forthcoming, and even if it could be stolen, scavenged, or bartered for, it was likely somewhat different from what they were accustomed to. While the concept of eradicating worlds ahead of the Tyranid advance is a whole new sort of horror, the basic scorched earth strategy here has been used throughout the history of war. In general, it is the punitive destruction of enemy resources, and in particular, it generally entails something like the wholesale destruction of agriculture, the destruction of homes, and the poisoning of wells. Anything to prevent an advancing army from successfully foraging for resources, even if it means decimating your own territory in the process. The Gauls used this tactic against the Romans during the Great Gallic War, and the Romans used this tactic against the Carthaginians during the Second Punic War. As ancient warfare expert Dr. Brett Devereaux discusses on his excellent A Collection of Unmitigated Pedantry blog, the availability of food and water greatly influenced where pre-industrial armies could go and how long they could tarry in a given region. He also points out that while an army famously marches on its stomach, other resources were sought after as well, including fodder for animals and firewood. Timber might also be desired in general in order to construct siege machinery upon reaching a fortified destination. Deny the advancing army this timber, and you might deny them their more ferocious siege engines. For the Tyranids, biomass provides everything their sustenance as well as the material out of which their living war engines are born. Within the narrative of Warhammer 40k, Cryptman's choice 
was horrifying, but perhaps strategically sound. Prevent an army, even a weird extragalactic one, from feeding and fueling itself, and you limit where and if it can go. Still, while the Tyranid Hive fleet slowed, we are told it kept coming. Crippman's excommunication didn't stop him from fighting the war. According to the Codex, his next act was to intentionally cede a Tyranid presence in Orc-occupied space, drawing the Tyranids into what would be known as the Octarius War. This was also a decision that, at best, only bought the Imperium time, and at worst, made both enemies, the Orcs and the Tyranids, stronger due to quirks of their individual biologies. Now, since the Imperium did not actually aid the Orcs in their war with the Tyranids, I don't think this would constitute a true proxy war, but there do seem to be examples from Warhammer fiction in which Orcs and, say, the Imperial Guard find themselves in a shaky alliance against the Tyranids. So, perhaps. Either way, the Octarius War eventually overflows and drags in armies of the Imperium and other enemy factions. It is, after all, a dark millennium. In closing, I think the Third Tyrannic War is a very smartly constructed sci-fi military scenario. I do appreciate it when an author takes a fantastic warfare scenario seriously, and as long as they involve monsters, <laughs> I would be happy to discuss them on future episodes of The Monster Fact. We have one more episode next week uh, dealing with the Tyranids on The Monster Fact, so tune in for that. Also, if you want to hear Brett Devereaux weigh in on the Imperium of Man itself, he was a guest on the February 2021 episode of Chapter Tactics number 194, How the Imperium of Man Compares to Other Empires in History. Uh, this is a fun podcast. It's quite a good listen if you are into either Ancient Warfare or Warhammer 40,000. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? 
Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, let's consider the infiltration efforts of the tyrannic menace, the gene-stealer cults. Over the past two weeks, we've looked at the tyrannid invaders of the Warhammer 40k universe, biological armies and high fleets from beyond the limits of the Milky Way on an inhuman quest to consume all biomass in their path. They constitute an outer threat to the Imperium of Man like none other, but they also pose a terrifying inner threat as well. As described in the ninth edition Gene Stealer Cults Codex from Games Workshop, the Tyranids have a means of corrupting a host world ahead of a High Fleet's arrival, ripening it for the plucking. We're told that a form of Tyranid known as a Gene Stealer initiates this corruption, stealthily stowing away in cargo or aboard derelict spacecraft in order to reach a new human-occupied world. Once there, the creature will begin to infect members of a planet's agricultural or industrial workforce with its genetic material via an ovipositor in its tongue. This act initiates a multi-generational process that introduces a variety of human-tyranid hybrids. While initial generations are monstrous and remain below ground, later generations are essentially humanoid in appearance and can actively infiltrate different segments of the human society. Collectively, the gene-stealer hybrids stage an underground resistance and eventual violent rebellion against imperial planetary rule, all of which is time to converge with the arrival of an invading hive fleet which is drawn to the gene-stealer cult like a beacon in the vast night. This darkly fantastic scenario invokes various accounts of natural world parasitism and mimicry, but I think it especially mirrors the manipulation of eusocial insect communities by certain organisms. Ant colonies and beehives, after all, aren't too different from the notion of an imperial forge world, where vast populations toil to supply the Imperium with its armor and its weaponry. For ants especially, their warlike nature is also reminiscent of the 40k setting. But at heart, the main comparison is that we have a complex social order within one species that is deceived and manipulated by another organism for its own ends. For example, there's the Death's Head Hawk Moth, a genus of moth famous for both its skull-like markings and its ability to infiltrate and raid honeybee hives by mimicking their smell. For a similar ant world example, certain spiders also use chemical mimicry to enter the colony unopposed and eat whatever larvae they desire. 
but these are both cases of raiding and predation. What about bending the system to the outsider's will? I think we might well compare the gene-stealer cult to many forms of brood parasitism. The classic example we're all familiar with is, of course, the cuckoo bird, which doesn't care for its own egg, but rather places its egg in the nest of another bird species, an act that is both stealthy and violent. The gene-stealer cult certainly grows within a civilization on a given host planet, but it's, of course, a bit more complicated than that. So they also remind one of particular examples of social parasitism in the world of ants, termites, and bumblebees. The bumblebee Bombus bohemicus, for example. The species neither builds its own nest nor produces its own workers. Instead, a queen invades a host nest of another Bombus species and defeats the existing queen. Afterwards, the workers identify her as the queen and they raise her young. This is an example of nest usurpation, which is at least thematically fitting uh, when compared to the revolutionary gene-stealer cults. But here's another thing to think about. As the gene-stealer codex points out, the whole gene-stealer hybrid enterprise might begin with monster attacks and end with the arrival of a world-consuming hive fleet. But before the uprising and the so-called Day of Ascension, Third and fourth generation gene-stealer hybrids, who again are humanoid enough in appearance to fully infiltrate human societies, may contribute greatly to the host civilization. They work hard and they perform their duties to the Imperium quite well, at least until it's time to rise up. During that pre-revolutionary period, we might be tempted to think of the gene-stealer hybrids as inquiline parasites, in that they're not actively harming the host civilization while residing within it. Again, members of the cult might well be beneficial to the host civilization, at least in the short term. Though I think we'd be pushing it to call this mutualism. After all, if the gene-stealer cult has its way, the rebellion will be bloody, and the arriving hive fleet will consume everything, including the hybrids themselves. Biologist E.O. Wilson famously described parasites as, quote, predators that eat prey in units of less than one, unquote. The cult's desired end meal is somewhat larger. For a more thematic introduction to the gene-stealer cults, I highly recommend the short story The Child Foretold by Nicholas Kaufman. It's a mild spoiler to reveal that it's a gene-stealer story, but it still packs a horrific punch. Tune in for additional episodes of The Monster Fact each week. As always, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. 
Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.